0: Keith Riefstahl came home yesterday. So, (laughs) praise God. We would love for you to continue to pray for him. It's the recovery process from his ailments is going to continue. And I'd like you to pray for Deb, too, if you can add her to your prayer list. Um, Anyone in here who's been a caregiver recognizes that being the caregiver is often as difficult as actually being the one cared for. There's a lot of stress on you. So please continue to pray for her. And if you have opportunity to help, um, please do. Please, please help them um, give Deb respite because, you know, Keith can be a handful in case you've not met him before. So if you can give her some respite, that would be great. Um, yeah, if you could, please invest in them. They're wonderful people who love the Lord greatly. So I have a question before we get started. Um, for those of you who How many of you follow Marvel Comics or DC or any of that stuff? Jim does. I'm not surprised at that at all. All right. Okay. If you could be a superhero, who would you be? Matthew's hand went flying up. Yes. Batman. Batman. Okay. (laughs) Chat says that's pretty cool. Batman. All right. Jim, come on. (laughs) we'll come back he's picky he's selective all right so yes Captain captain america okay good choice why captain america i don't know he's just super cool you like the shield yeah i like the shield all right you said superman's the most powerful but he's not your favorite who's your favorite wolverine okay all right yes Jack Jack. Oh my goodness gracious. Yes. Black Panther. Ooh, you like his all of his stuff and his vibranium everywhere, or whatever it's called. Anything else? Anybody else? Yes. Superman. Superman. You would take Superman? Why? Why Superman? Because he's, he's my um, hero. Is he your hero? Yeah. Okay. That's a good reason. Spider-Man? Aha, you want to shoot webs at people and climb up walls? Good for you. Yes? Oh, well done. Good job, Pastor's Kid. Good job. Good job. It is more important than the Marvel Universe. Thank you very much. So, yes, Brittany. Harley Quinn. Oh, my goodness. We had a talk. You're g- <laughs> Oh, you, you said Harley Quinn. No. I am so sorry, Brittany. So, oh, no. Yeah? One more. Joker. Joker. I'm insane. Have you not noticed? Okay, so we have to discuss this. There is a dramatic difference between a superhero and a supervillain. Yes, I know. And I bet it's sometimes hard to tell, isn't it? Yes, okay. All right, so... I have always been partial to superheroes that started out as regular old human beings and then something happened and they became something spectacular. Whether that be, you know, Spider-Man, right? Gets bitten by a spider. Or it be the Hulk. Or it be Captain America, right? But something spectacular happens, and there's this, this call on them that actually changes who they are. It changes, doesn't change them emotionally, we hope, right? Although the Hulk's are pretty much a hot mess, right? But it doesn't, it changes their, their, their DNA. It changes the, the very fiber of the way that they're constructed, right? Do you think that can really happen? Do you think something could really happen that could change your DNA? Tracy does. Yeah? Yeah? What? Your DNA that could change your DNA at its core. Huh? Huh. Yes. That is that is the the right answer. Yeah. Jesus can. But to change your actually change the core of who you are. Heather's dad I love him with all my heart. I love that man. He taught me so much about how to care for someone you were married to. I mean, he he cared so much for his wife. I learned so much from him about what, what a marriage, what a covenant is, and what loving somebody else is. So I, I want to say that because I'm about to say that he had some wild ideas. And one of his wild ideas was that he would never want an organ transplant because if you got an organ transplant it would change your dna it would make you into somebody different than what you are true or false False. you know while deb i'm sure at times hopes that 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 would work with keith because he's had multiple organ transplants unfortunately it does not work that way and keith is still keith i'm kidding if you're listening keith i love you very much It it won't. It won't change your DNA. Why? Why will it not change your DNA? Say again? Well, it doesn't have to be a perfect match, a perfect, perfect, because there is nobody else with your exact DNA, right? Okay. Yes? Who you are. Ooh, who you are is at the heart. Keep that in mind the next time somebody says something to you that isn't appropriate for who you are, right? That degrades that because who you are is your heart, right? It's the way you act and how you live. Yes, you didn't? So you can't really change your DNA, right? There's really no way to change your physical construction, the way you were born, the way you were designed, the way you were laid together from the beginning. You are as God created you, right? Now, there's a, which is a beautiful thing because he breathes life to you, into you and he does not breathe life into junk, okay? He doesn't do that. Although, as I get older, sometimes I feel like my DNA is junk, right? As more things creak and pop and... I, and, you know, and of course, when I was in high school, I felt like my DNA was horrible because I'm clearly a foot and a half shorter than I was meant to be, <laughs> right? But, but, but this is who I am. This is what I was created to be from the very beginning. And, and so what I want to do is try to, try to move that to, to our understanding of, of what it means to be brethren because we're in a series called What is Brethren, Okay. And, and our basis, our DNA, who we are, our identity, has been pretty consistent since the time that we formed as a tribe. And I would call it a tribe. If you were in our class this morning, there are many different people in this world that follow the Bible and, and desire to follow the Lord and glorify God and do some things slightly differently. And I would say that, that they have... A whole lot of DNA that's similar and some things that are slightly different. That doesn't make them any less the people of God. It just makes them different people. Right? And so so I think why do we want to discuss what is brethren and why does that matter? Well, it's very simple. Because just as each of you and each of us has a, we're all human, we share how much of the same DNA? Any guesses? It's like 98, 99% plus. We're that similar. There are very subtle differences between us, and yet, some of us are six foot ten, and some of us are five foot something on a good day. Right? Some of us are skinnier, and some of us are rounder. We're just built that way, right? Now, there are things I could do to help that, right? Some of us have darker skin and some of us have lighter skin. Some of us are male and some of us are female, right? Mm-hmm. Right? It, but those differences are so subtle in our DNA, at our basic core structure, and yet it makes us very different to one another in this world. Now, what I want to discuss today are some of the distinctive parts of the brethren DNA, because as Jason will get into next week, I, I really believe that our distinct DNA has something in particular to offer the world. Just as as I believe that each of you has something particular to offer the world, because God has made you that way. Does that mean that they're all that that the brethren is the the only way that that Christ can be expressed to the world? The big fat answer to that would be no. But it is the way that this tribe is called to. And it is the way that God, I believe, constructed us. And so we're going to talk about a few things that make us us. If you were here last week, you got to hear Dale talk about in class and in the sermon about some of the, the things over time that have described us, some of the phrases we've used. We are people of the Bible, right? The Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible, right? What were some other phrases he used? Do you remember? Ding, 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 ding. Okay. Okay. Work on that one. All right, so, for the sake of time, I don't want to go into it. But he used he used multiple phrases to describe who we are and what we are about and what we have been about since the beginning. I'm just going to go through four things Four things that I think are distinctive about brethren, about the way we look at the Word of God, about what we're called to be, and who we're called to be, and the witness we're called to provide in this world. Because again, I don't believe we're the only witness, I believe we are a unique witness. Because our DNA, we share much with many churches, but it is a little bit different. So what do I want to look at first? Well, first, we're going to call them brethren distinctives, because they are referred to as that. Throughout much of the literature I've considered and read, and that Dale taught me. <laughs> um, but, but also because I think it is part of what makes us distinct, right? Those little subtleties and differences in your day and error what makes you taller or shorter, rounder or skinnier, whiter or blacker, right? Lighter or darker? Makes sense? Male or female? So let's go. So our first one is this one. Uh, Distinctive number one, following God requires, doesn't just suggest, requires community. As I said in class this morning, it might be given away in the name. Brethren, brothers, sisters, right? Together, this kind of idea that it requires community, requires us to walk together together. That's a difficult one because I think that we often believe that we can walk our our journey of faith in a silo, that my relationship with God is my relationship with God rather than our relationship with God. And yet the scriptures do not bear that out. Certainly, there is a private component. Jesus at times in the Garden of Gethsemane and others when he was greatly troubled or in difficulty and needed to approach the Lord walked away from God or walked, not walked away, ooh, that'd be horrible, walked away from the people of God for a moment of time, right? To work on this horizontal relationship. But if we look at Jesus' ministry, how much of his ministry was spent alone and how much of it was spent with other people? The vast majority of the time that Jesus spent that we see documented is with other people. Some were ardent believers, some were not, We know that there are things that he said at various times throughout his ministry that caused people to walk away, right? And yet Jesus didn't say, don't let the door hit you in the butt, I'm doing this by myself anyways. Jesus believed and demonstrated that community is part of of what it means to know the Lord, to walk with the Lord. We've talked about it in class this morning. We talked about the peoplehood formula, the idea that God has always been calling us back to him as his people. I will, I will be your God, and you will be my people, and I will dwell with you. The brethren, we really have historically believed that we must work together in community. It, it requires that. If we are going to follow the Lord, we must do it together. It is not just alone. And I think it's a powerful thing because the truth is in our, in our world today, we try very hard to isolate each other, isolate ourselves from one another. Uh, our communication systems are as digital and as faceless as we can make them, right? We, we do our best to do that. If something's going wrong in, in our home or in our marriage, uh, we don't generally bring it to everybody else and tell the free world something's going on. We try to keep it to ourselves and figure it out ourselves. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that's not, that's not who we're called to be. We're called to recognize that we cannot figure it out always for ourselves. And sometimes we need each other. Community is required for us to interpret the will of God. Let's look at Peter and Paul. Would you say Peter and Paul both? Did I say something bad? Yeah. Bye, Macaulay. I love you too. Peter and Paul both, correct me if I'm wrong, both are followers of the Lord. Both have access to the Holy Spirit, yes? And yet, did you know that Peter and Paul disagreed? If we look at Galatians 2, verses 11 through 13, Paul is speaking, and he says, But when Cephas, that's Peter, by the way, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. I got up in his grill because he stood condemned. For he regularly ate with Gentiles before certain men came from James. However, when they came, he withdrew and he separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. And then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. Paul gets in Peter's face and he says, Peter, why do you act one way when nobody else is around? But as soon as other people show up, you act completely differently you change what you're doing and paul goes through goes through great lengths here to say look he separated himself and then everybody else went with him they joined him he took them down a bad road too this is peter follower of christ personally reinstated by the lord when he when he made a mistake and walked away and denied him three times right personally reinstated by god And yet, Paul still has to get in his face, because it says that, to his face, and say, You are off base. If Peter knows the Lord, if Peter has access to the Holy Spirit, if Peter has been a follower of Christ since the very beginning, how could he possibly be off base? That's not a rhetorical question. He's human. (laughs) Raise your hand if you're human. If you didn't, I'm concerned for you. (laughs) You're a human being. I am a human being. And the truth is, if we are left to our own devices, we can absolutely mess it up. We can absolutely start to believe our own perspectives rather than than the perspectives of God. We actually start to form God into our likeness instead of, us being formed to his likeness because it's easier, (laughs) because it's more comfortable, and because we all have egos and we all want to be right. So even Peter needed community, needed someone else who was willing to say, you can't do this. How many of you are excited about the notion of somebody saying to you, this is a bad idea, don't do this? I mean, if I thought it was a bad idea, would I do it? no, I think it's a good idea, of course. Why don't I want you to stop me? But the reality is because we are all human beings, we need each other to do that. So interpreting God's will for us in our lives, who we are intended to be, what we are intended to do, how we are intended to impact others, believe it or not, you cannot do by yourself. Do you want to believe you can do it by yourself? I certainly do. I want to believe I don't need anybody else. But guess what? It's not true. And Jesus made that very clear from the very beginning. And we see it even lived out amongst the apostles, those from whom, whose writings we learn who our God is, that they were willing to hold each other accountable, that they were willing to help correct one another, that they were willing to help strengthen one another. It was never an option. So why should it be an option for us? It's because we also need to live in community to mature in faith. If we look at Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith. It's a journey of reaching unity to seeing things eye to eye. And it's interesting, they've got so many different people with so many different skill sets contributing to one another to build up the body as a whole whole, and might I say, each other as individuals, as we grow into who God wants us to be, as we are unified with one another. Then, and said, and to, let's see, growing into maturity with stature measured by Christ's fullness, then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head That is christ from him the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part hands cannot do what feet do i mean you you could try to walk on your hands have you ever walked on your hands how many of you can do that i've seen people do it it just doesn't look comfortable it also looks a little dangerous because I know me, and I'm a klutz. I would hurt myself and probably everybody else around me. It would be great. The problem is even in our faith walk, the reality is that, that, that I, I, I'm a klutz there too. I lack skills that I was not endowed or gifted with. I love, 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 music. I am a horrible musician. I've I've been playing guitar for on and off 15, 20 years. Do you know how good I am at it? I'm horrible. I'm absolutely horrible because it is not my gift. I continue to do it because I enjoy it. I love it. And honestly, because my wife smiles, which is great because that's my motivation for lots of things. But it is not my gift. It is not what I'm good at. And if I desire to be blessed, to worship with, each other, with us all together as we're, we're hearing the word of God expressed in such an amazing way through music, because music is a powerful, powerful, powerful thing, I cannot do that myself. I need talented people. <laughs> who are gifted to do that, to do that with me. Are there any things, are there things about your faith that you love, that you want to be good at? Maybe it's biblical, reading the Bible and interpreting exactly what it says. You wish you were good at it, but you're not. Maybe you wish you could be a great speaker, but you're not. Jen, you're getting better all the time. Where is she left? She left. I thought she did great this month because she was terrified. It took me six months to get her to do that. She's going to do it next month too. I'm kidding. (laughs) Kidding. But we we are all gifted in very particular ways that when we're knitted together allows us to grow as one, to grow in faith, to support. Do you hear the words in there? Support one another, right? the supporting ligaments those things where where we're connected to each other that make it possible to function those abilities those gifts those skill sets and if we are not with one another we miss out on that completely and those gaps are never filled and those opportunities to grow are never realized because we're trying to do it with the one or two gifts each of us has rather than the many that God has blessed a body with. Brethren, really believe that following God requires us to be in community with each other. We cannot do it alone. Cannot do it alone. The next distinctive I'd like to look at is this, is, is the life of Jesus portrays the life that we are called to. Luke 9:23 through 25 says this and then he said to them all if anyone wants to follow after me let him deny himself take up his cross daily and follow me for whoever wants to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life because of me will save it for what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits himself Uh, how many of you got up this morning and said, "I really hope that today God allows me to um, be beaten and get hung on a cross today"? No takers. I don't. I don't know that. Je- I don't think Jesus wants that for any of us either. But he does hope and pray that we will understand that part of following the Lord means denying other pieces of our life. It means denying myself for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the Lord, because that is our priority. We discussed this morning in class, if you're here, the notion of non-oath swearing, the idea that brethren do not generally believe in swearing oaths. And we had to reconcile how you can not swear an oath with the notion that if you're in a court of law... And, and you're taking an oath. We hope a witness in a cryo will take an oath, right? We hope they will. We hope someone in our military will take an oath to be loyal to our nation, to fight alongside you. You can't really, if you're on a team or in the military especially, if you can't trust the person next to you to be with you, you're in trouble, right? You're in trouble. We want them to have that level of commitment. But our desire... And our, our need is to understand that our al- ultimate commitment that determines how we relate to everything else is our commitment to the Lord. And the truth is, the Lord did not call us to be comfortable. He did not call us to stay the same all the time. What he called us to was to grow in Christ-likeness. To pick up his cross, to understand that we are going to have to give of ourself just as he gave of himself. To understand that, that the call, the opportunity to grow in the Lord requires that our lives, our lives be transformed. This is, yeah, this is the notion of a physical observable thing. Now, we all start in different places. Right, So the journey's not going to look the same for everybody because we didn't all start in the same place, with the same family, with the same economic background, with the same, right? Or even the same part of the world. So it's not going to be identical. But the reality is we are all called throughout our entire lives daily. It doesn't say daily until age 30, which would be super cool. <laughs> it doesn't say that. We are called to constantly move toward Christ's likeness. In other words, we are constantly called to move in thought and deed toward who Jesus represented himself to be. Is that a tall task? Amen. That's a tall task. Which, in a minute, we'll get to other things that we think are distinctive in helping you get there to, to, to move along that journey to, to, to move towards Christ-likeness but, but understand this it, one of our distinctive calls as brethren is that we are moving forward in our journey towards Christ-likeness throughout our entire lives it's not a moment in time it's not a box to be checked it's not a list to be covered and we're good It is a constant desire to daily make choices, to set aside ourselves for the sake of what God is calling us to. You have to leave behind what was to live into what could be. And that's exactly what we're called to do. And I want to make sure we understand that that it's not just a system or not just saying all the right things or doing all the right things in little bits and pieces here and there. It's a constant movement toward the Lord because he is our master and he is our guide and he is our salvation, right? One more distinctive. The New Testament fulfills and perfects the Old Testament, a brethren distinctive of things. Let's read Matthew five, seventeen through twenty. It says, Don't think that I am I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill it. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth passed away, not the smallest letter, or one stroke of a letter, will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teachers, And teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless you are your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so what I'm gonna need you to do now is I'm gonna need everybody to open to the book of Leviticus. We have 600, I'm kidding, don't do that. We have 613 laws that we all have to memorize and begin to follow by the end of our time here today. Isn't that what it says? No, no, that is not what it says, right? It's not, it is not. And the thing is, if we we just read the Old Testament without an understanding of Jesus, We might think that it is. We might think that it is. And it's important that we understand that because it is really simple. It's a really simple place to get to to see our God as two different gods, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. Because if you read them in a silo, they feel different, right? The God of the Old Testament, if you made him mad, would do what? And smite you. Right? Okay. The God of the New Testament, you feel like if you make you make him mad, what does he do? Forgives you and loves you and hugs you. And so what you say to yourself is, this doesn't make any sense. I can't connect these things. One of the distinctives about what it means to be brethren is to read. The message, the goal, the why. We talked about that this morning, too the difference between why and how, right? The why of the Old Testament. Why the Old Testament is written the way it is, why things happened the way they did, why God acted as he did through the eyes of Christ in the New Testament. It's to understand who our God is, what he personifies, and interpret the Old Testament through those eyes through that lens. It's important because that's what allows us not to follow 613 Levitical laws before we leave here today. I'm not up for that, by the way. Cuz I like bacon. <laughs> I'm just saying. So I would encourage you if you if you come across a passage in the Old Testament that that gives you concern, Because there are places in the Old Testament where where God tells his people to wipe out an entire people. That's a lot to swallow, right? I would encourage you to pause and try to see this text through the eyes of who you know your Savior to be. What does this describe? What does this mean? How could this make sense through the eyes of Jesus? Because without that, we could end up all kinds of confuzzled. One of our distinctives means we read the Old Testament through the eyes of our Lord Jesus Christ as he's explained in the New Testament. Does that make sense? One might even say that, the, Dale, Dale Stofer would probably say that the, the Gospels are primary. They are, they are the primary driver for our understanding of all the rest of Scripture. And I would say probably so, because if you can't understand the core of who our Savior is, it's really kind of hard to understand what He's doing. We do that with people every day. We make judgment calls about the things that they do when they cut you off on the road, or they, they make a, what you think is a stupid decision with their money, right? We make judgment calls before we really understand why they're doing it. What about their history is causing this, and why does this make sense to them? Because it clearly does. It clearly makes sense to them. We just don't often understand why. We can't see the whole picture, The New Testament helps us understand why so that we can see the whole picture of Scripture and the whole picture of who our God is. The last distinctive I want to talk about is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is essential for understanding Scripture. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 16 says this, Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit. The Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except his spirit within him. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. We also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people, but the person without the spirit who does not receive what comes from God's spirit. Because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it, and since it is evaluated spiritually, the spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So that last verse I read, or the next last verse says, the spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. So, if somebody gets in your, in, in, up in your face and says, that's not what the Word of God says, you get to say what? No, you get to say, I'm, I'm, I'm powered by the Spirit. I know what it says. I don't have to... That would be contrary to everything I just said three points ago. I know it feels like it's been an hour and a half. Okay? But, but there is this notion, this idea that we think we can just intellectually sort out the scriptures. Guess what? I'm sorry to tell you this, but your brain's not big enough. My brain is not big enough. Did you hear that, CJ? My brain's not big enough. (laughs) Sorry. The point would be this. We cannot sort it out on our own. Even with each other, we cannot sort it out on our own. The mind of God, the word of God, the strength of God is something that requires the active engagement of the Holy Spirit. So what I would ask you is this. Whenever you read Scripture, how often do you ask the Holy Spirit to inform you before you even start reading? Because you cannot figure it out without Him. In fact, it says that without him, it's foolishness, right? It doesn't make any sense. Christianity is not all about human logic, okay? It's this thing called faith. You have to trust. You have to believe. You have to know that there is a force in this world, and his name is the Lord, who is greater than us, whose ways are greater than our ways. And whose understanding of what it means to live in this world and to grow in maturity and to, to be righteous and to, and, to, and to grow in Christ is beyond what we can understand on our own. Because my little brain can't do it. Because I will try to rationalize it all. How many of you, does that make you cringe when I say you can't rationalize your faith? Look, some of us want to be able to rationalize everything. And if I can't rationalize it completely and make sense of it, I get upset. That bothers me. Right? Does it bother you if you can't make sense of it all rationally? Yes. Some of you, I know who you are. Okay? And I've, I'm with you. But the reality is that if we are to ever truly understand who God is, and who he wants us to be, we have to trust that we cannot always rationally understand everything. Because our God operates at a level that is heads and shoulders above anything we could logically and rationally understand. We operate in days and minutes, and and at most our lifetime, God operates over centuries and millennia thousands of years the path that he has carved out we can't even hope to see without the help of the the Holy Spirit our minds aren't big enough to handle it our eyes aren't wide enough to see it so why would we be crazy enough to think that we can When Jesus is about to ascend to heaven in Acts chapter 1, his disciples say to him, so is now the the Lord's day? When's it coming? Can we put it down on the calendar? Can I mark it down so we can build up to that day and we'll be ready to do it? And Jesus says to them, ain't none of your business. That's what he says. It ain't none of your business. Only the Lord knows when this is all going to happen, right? Only the Lord. That irks me. That drives me bonkers. I would love to know exactly when things, don't don't you live by your calendar? I live by my calendar. If it was just on my calendar, it would be so much easier. His ways are greater than mine. And if he says, I don't need to know, I have to trust that I don't need to know. And I have to trust that he has a reason for telling me that. It could be because I would put it on my calendar. The Emperor Constantine, the Roman Emperor, who's um, often given credit with introducing Christianity to the Roman Empire, do you know when he gave himself to the Lord? On his deathbed. He waited. He waited so that he said he could do everything he ever wanted to do. And then get salvation at the end how many of you that's your plan oh that's good that's a bad plan don't do that because he had decided he could manipulate god he could manipulate the system he had it planned out he knew exactly what he wanted to do I am not here to say whether or not God forgave him and he's in, in heaven right now. I cannot tell you that, but I can tell you I'm pretty confident that's the wrong way to go about it. You can't Bill's going down. That's the wrong way to go about that too. You cannot mani- manipulate God. And yet if we know absolutely everything there is to know, will we not try to manipulate it? Read the New Testament. Have you read Jesus' discussion with the Pharisees? That is repeatedly the challenge. They have reduced what it means to be the people of God to a list of rules so they can manage it, so they can manipulate it, so they can determine their own salvation and their own destiny and have the gall to look at God and say, guess what, I checked all the boxes. You You have to honor your promise. God don't work that way. And if left to our own devices without the help of the Holy Spirit, we will naturally try, because it's in our best interest to get what we want, we will try to manipulate our God. So, if you're waiting till you understand absolutely everything, and it's all marked out on your calendar before you're willing to trust that the Lord has something wonderful for you, you're going to be waiting a long time because though he may reveal parts of what he has planned for you he uh, it is unlikely he will ever tell you absolutely everything and that's probably good because his dreams for you are way greater than anything you could conjure for yourself and his blessings are far greater than anything you could earn for yourself Those are just some of the things that make brethren, brethren. Some of the things that help us, guide us in our walk with Christ and our witness for the world. And again, I hope you will come next week, even if you're not a regular attender. I hope you will come next week and listen to Jason. Jason is an amazing guy. And a passionate guy and a powerful speaker. And he will light up the world. Oh boy, I'm setting him up, aren't I? But he will... He will reveal some things about what our witness is and why it matters in this world that we are in now because we struggle to access the Holy Spirit we struggle to recognize that our faith is a is a journey of growth we need to be that for the world they need to see that because transformation is a powerful witness right okay speaking of brethren distinctives we have one more thing before we leave today um, we have a young man who's going to be baptized today, which is awesome. Um, now, this young man's name is Jaden. And I have to tell you, I'm going to say it up front, Jaden is uh, eight years old. And it is very rare that I am comfortable baptizing someone that young. And here's why. Because I really believe that this is a choice to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And I really believe it is a rare soul who at eight years old knows what he's getting into, at least to some extent. None of us know everything we're getting into or we wouldn't do it. It's kind of like marriage, right? <laughs> you wouldn't do it if you knew the whole story. But, but a couple of weeks ago, his mom, his mom and his stepfather were baptized, right? Johnny and Dreamer were baptized. And he wanted to be baptized unbelievably badly And I said, no, I I didn't think he was ready. And what I wanna tell you is that Jaden spent the next two weeks reading, studying, telling me things, telling his parents things, reminding me why he needed to be baptized, why he was being guided, why this mattered, why this was important. If we all had such passion to do what he believes the Lord is asking him to do, would we not be one powerful group of people? And so, came back to me and said, I'm ready, let's go. And I said, okay, let's go. And so, Jaden is going to be baptized this morning. His mom is going to help him get changed and get ready to go because she's been through it all already, right? You think? Yeah. And she's going to help him do that. As As they're getting dressed and getting him ready, uh, I'm going to read through our family prayers as we do every Sunday, and then uh, we're going to... Get him, yeah, over there. Get him baptized, and then we're gonna sing a song. We're gonna re-sing one of the new ones we learned this morning, right? As he's getting changed again, and then I hope and pray that you will take every opportunity to to congratulate Jaden and shake his hand and tell him you love him and uh, say, welcome, right? And we're proud of you for taking that step because I'm proud of him for taking that step. So if everybody would stand, let's pray. Let's do our family prayer time together. I have a list this morning. Let's begin with this. Uh, Missy Cummins has a praise for WRE. Two of the four schools have started back up doing WRE this week. Praise God for that. It's, it's been a long road and we're not done yet. Continue to offer prayers for what the Lord is doing and that he will continue showing up big, big in WRE. Holly Morris has asked for prayers for the troops. We would like them home safely. And then also for Mike and Terry who are in Florida. Tim Tillman has asked for prayers for a friend, Greg Penorwood. Um, I can't read that. He has problems with diabetes um, and it's affecting his eyes and he is currently on disability. We would ask for prayers for strength for him, um, for him to be able to find peace in those challenges, and and even find healing, because our God's pretty impressive. Diane Gamble has asked for prayers for Bud Jackson. He's not feeling well. Um, He's got a bit of winter depression going on. And a broken what? Vertebrae? Did he break a vertebrae? Oh, that's the next one down. Woo. Okay. Chuck Gamble has asked for prayers for Gene Gamble. Broken vertebrae, right? Uh, she's been dismissed to home she still has back pain but it is doing better we would ask for continued prayers for that right okay carol klein has asked for praises she has a praise for the women's bible study that's being done on wednesday nights here nancy Beatty is leading that she would like to thank the lord for nancy as a teacher she's doing an amazing job Uh, and she'd also like to encourage you to come encourage you to come if you need to be encouraged. If you need a time, if you need people to pray with, to walk with, to talk to about where your walk is with the Lord, they have a new study every week. So if you're jumping in now, you're not going to miss anything, right? Because it's a new study every week. And miracles. And miracles. There you go. Praise God. Um, this week's is, why am I suffering? I have a study on suffering. Uh, if you're suffering which a lot of us are, don't miss out on an opportunity to be blessed by other women who are also seeking God's light in times of difficulty. Please, please come for this time of encouragement. She'd also like to say she has answered prayers. Uh, She had an exam on uh, 123, right? And she had good results. We like good results, right? I'm cancer-free You're still cancer-free again. We'll keep it that way, right? you what? Amen. And when you come to the Bible study and you relax and talk to one another, it's a best yeah. Is he ready? Ladies, uh, please come and see what I'd strip. Absolutely. Okay. Yes, Susan. Okay. Okay, so Friday, January thirty first, Pauline Westlake is having hip replacement. Yikes. Okay. Any any others? Yes. Uh, yes. My brother had a heart attack. Oh my goodness. Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. And uh, it was life fighter though at He's back home yesterday. Oh, praise God. Fine. They were able to put in okay. And open up hundred percent block. He oh, praise it. God. Praise God for that. Absolutely, praise God for that. Absolutely, Miss Bonnie. Okay. And what was her name? Sue Hegel Hale. Sue Hale uh, has scoliosis and fell and broke her pelvis, so they can't do surgery. We'd like the Lord to do something amazing, right? And that, that the okay. And your son Bill, he continues to heal, and his nerves continue to grow back together. Yeah. Yep, they are. Okay. Let's let's pray that it'll keep going, right? Yes, Mark. they still continuing radiation poisoning on my dad. Okay. Okay. Mark's dad has been um, challenges with radiation poisoning. And they're continuing to run tests to try to figure out what that is and to try and figure out how to mitigate it, right? How to help. So, all right. I am going to go. Yeah. Thank you for praying for my great uncle. Uh huh. And Yep. Yep. And their families after the loss. Yep. Holly thanks you for praying for Daryl and young Daryl, right? Yep. Hi, guys in the back. How you doing? Do y'all want to come up front? Come on. Come on. Come on. You can clap for Jaden that way. He'll be super excited. Come on. I want to go to my mom, not up front. It's hilarious. All right. He would like to do this before everybody because it matters it matters that he makes this physical public commitment because that reinforces right our own belief and also to encourage others who might be scared to do the same right yeah so are you ready all right so do you believe that jesus christ is your lord and savior yes do you believe that he has taken away all of your sins yes. Are you promising to walk with him for the rest of your life? Yes. And do you know that he has got awesome stuff planned for you? Yes. Awesome. Are you ready? Okay. Can you get on your knees or are you too short? Sweet. All right. So you need to put your fingers on your nose. Yeah, you want, you're want. you going to want to do that. Okay? You're going to go down three times. You ready? So today, Jaden, I baptize you in the name of the Father. I got gotcha. you. And of the Son. You need to breathe. Good. Okay, and of the Holy Spirit. There we go. Um, so try to do, it. okay, okay? strength, we are thankful for your mercies and your grace, and we are thankful for your son, for it's in his name that we pray.